made no bones about it at all. It was handwritten, um, beautifully handwritten, no bones made no bones about it at all. It was handwritten, um, beautifully handwritten, and it was a page and a half. It it really surprised me that someone would feel comfortable enough to write that down, send it, and sign her real name and tell you where to find her. It, it just blew me away. Well, sorry, she has a hearing problem, too. She had a hearing problem? She liked my voice. She had a hearing problem. Oh, that's true. <laughs> well, you have got a knock-your-socks-off voice, so I can understand why you had people who were enamored with you and your voice, and we all do it, try to imagine what the person with the voice looks like or is in real life. But my goodness, she really wanted to know what you were like in real life. She, she was ready to do anything at all with you. It was, it was really quite remarkable. And then she signed her name. So I came away believing that she was a dependent, that she was not a single woman by any means, uh, because she had kids. She talked about having two kids. Oh, okay. I, I'm just confusing it with another that was broken English, and it was a German lady. You had another one. You're holding out on me. <laughs> I was just scooping up a lot of souvenirs and to get them to you because I was so embarrassed that I couldn't uh, receive your notes on the interview that night, and I, I included that, it's, and I've got a... Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to send you a uh, picture of uh, my lunchbox radio. Oh, great. Not an ad for it. I, I, I had, had this for years, and it uh, shows it on a picnic table. Uh-huh. But I, I, I thought you were talking about... Now, this is Sally's favorite story, is the one that I'm... A 19-year-old college freshman working all night at the radio station in Chattanooga, and this lady calls and tells me what she wants to do with me. This sophisticated man about town. I dropped the phone and knocked the arm off the record. <laughs> uh, I I am in safe territory. I think that you sounded a lot more mature and perhaps a lot older than you actually were. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so she... Got through with the voice change. Uh-huh. Last time. And it's starting to kind of settle down. Right now it's getting raspy as I get older, but uh, the uh, a lot of things worked better 40 years ago than they do now, so I don't complain. <laughs> you are a piece of work. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I don't think you said those kinds of things... Um, during your regular radio years, which would have encouraged this kind of communication. But if you got something even warmer than the one that I read, it, it must have been a beauty. So. Well, the the, the uh, rest of the story is that I came up to get my paycheck one day, and, and it was seldom there in the daytime. And there was a window that overlooked uh, an intersection, busy intersection there in Chattanooga. We were in what was called the Dome Building, an office building. And one of the guys said, uh, wow, there goes crazy Shirley. And the girl who was calling me was named Shirley. And I said, uh, uh, did she call you a lot? I said, oh, yeah, she's a little bit off the main beam. Well, she would fill up a door nicely. I mean, this was a, oh. and this was a, a fantasy thing with her that she would call disc jockeys and make all these. Yeah, well, it's the right fantasy. It's the 
perfect word for it. Yeah. Word. It would be anybody that would call somebody by their voice. I know. But, you know, it's easy to do. It's an easy thing to do when you sit back, and especially if you're in a circumstance where you're not going go, go, go during the day and sleep, sleep, sleep at night. It's pretty easy to put, um, it's what we do with old-time radio. Yeah, yeah. You, you develop your personal image of someone based on the voice and the character. Why wouldn't they do it to you? I have never been right. And then... <laughs> Have you? As a matter of fact, I used to like to get a tape if I was going to hire an announcer or a DJ, get a tape of his voice before I ever saw him or her. Ah, uh, great. Listen to that because then you, it's totally objective when you meet them. Yes, yes. And you're really hiring the voice. You're not hiring the person. You're not hiring a hairdo. You're not hiring what kind of shoes he wears. You're hiring his voice and his professional ability to use it. How much would you listen to it, though, Nolan? Would you listen for 30 seconds, one minute? How long would you really sit down and listen to somebody tape? Well, I listen to the whole tape. Uh -huh. uh, normally, it's not a, uh, a lot. I think the things, just samples of commercials, news reading, and so forth. But that doesn't say when they came in if they had a ponytail and 16 tattoos that I might not hire them anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's politically correct these days, but, you know... It's an indication when they, and it's an insight into the personality of the person and how they view themselves and the rest of the world. Of course, you'd you'd um, put something in it, but I think that that's a marvelous way to begin an evaluation is to start with the thing that's most important to your radio station, and that's the voice and and the presentation. It, it is, and of course, those people will be out on remotes and personal appearances and things, so you want them to be presentable. They don't have to be, you know, movie star George Clooney types. But Yes, I, I fail to remember that, that the, you're not locked up in a room with a microphone, that there are times when you are a very public person. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely, and you don't want to disappoint the listener too, too much, but I, it's, it's very hard to judge how somebody looks. There is a certain way of, that I have learned over the years of listening to someone when they're slightly overweight, that it somehow picks up in the, uh, I always pictured, uh, 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 who was Jack Benny's announcer, Don Wilson. Don Wilson, yeah. When I saw him for the first time, I wasn't surprised. Well, you know, Jack Benny and the script frequently made such a point of mentioning how big Don Wilson was, that had to influence what we were expecting. You know, it probably did. It, it was a blundle. I didn't realize I was doing it that way, but since then, I, I have been able to do that, uh, not consistently, but several times it's happened. That I, I said, that guy, something about the the way the words were formed or the, the sound of the throat or something, I don't know what it was, but I, I what I need to do is get someone to test me on that, see if that's... <laughs> Everybody who calls in has to send his weight to <laughs> um, That's right. When you hired somebody, Nolan, how much was it based upon the voice and how much was it based upon the presentation? Would it be a stiffy, stiffy split? What What would you look for? Well, yeah, yeah, it would would be would be 50-50. Uh -huh, it would be a stiffy, stiffy. Okay. It would be like hiring anybody for a job for their talent. If you were hiring a, a, a watchmaker or something, uh, this is... Uh, is a personality-driven type job, and right. you want them to be. Uh, I mean, 
if you had somebody who all personality and really didn't have the voice, would you probably turn them down anyway? Because they just wouldn't have. Oh no, I don't think so. Uh -huh. The uh, this day and time, it's not as or that in those days, as my grandfather would say. Excuse me, it's not not that uh, critical. Right. Because it's not so uh, stilted and you know announcer type, holding his ear kind of thing. Right. If they've got the personality, that will that will show. You know, and, yeah. and uh, do very well. Now, I passed the CBS audition, the announcing audition back in 1930 when all those guys had the great voices and they all had to be able to read foreign names, you know, all the conductors' names. Sure. And, yeah. Did, um, that reminded me of something for a fleeting moment. Oh, did, did you, um, you all are old enough if you're, if you're over. 25 year old enough that right. when anchormen came from radio, the leading radio stations in the market that they didn't go outside the market normally the, the guy that was big on the AM station uh, was the person they chose as the anchor for television when they got their television li license did you realize how common that was well I always I always was amazed here the state of New York Manhattan where all the radio most of those guys were never from New York. They were all out of the area, either from the Midwest or somewhere else. Uh, you know, if you think about it, Jim Rowe, Martin Block, all of them. All of them are not from the area. And I'm no, New York was the goal. They cut their teeth and paid their dues in smaller markets and kept increasing the size and the importance of the market until they finally were good enough to get to New York. It wasn't a matter of hiring people out of town. It was a matter of having paid their dues and perfected their skills along the way. It's one of the things in the Atlanta area, Nolan, you would probably know this, um, or could help me with this. Of course you know it. It could help me with this, that some of your major um, – Major media in television have people who are just hoping to be discovered by someone passing through from New York or they're looking for, and they are actively hoping to be recruited for New York. Well, I guess I'm talking a step behind that. I, I'm, I'm talking about the, their, the first television job, uh -huh. not, not going from television to network going from the AM-FM combination to television from right. radio. Right. I'm, I'm sorry. I took a right-hand turn. I understood what you were saying, and I took a right-hand turn when Walden said, well, the people in New York didn't come from there. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, what I, what I was saying is no matter what the medium, New York was the goal, and it wasn't that people just showed up and they were hired. Sure, yeah. It but, just seemed to be a natural thing. that. But you're, you're right now, and it's true, yeah. Radio to TV. That's interesting about the AM to television. Huh. Oh, now, no, I mean, from in the industry when you were growing up, I mean, was always the goal just to land into, into a top ten market? It didn't matter what top ten or was there generally a rule of thumb of, you know, disc jockeys and things climbing the ladder? I mean, you know. You know, I, um, I would not be like a good one to answer uh -huh. that. The biggest market I ever worked in was Miami. And that, that's that's no slouch, but uh, this was an AM station in the in the 60s right. before FM took hold. Do you either of you have a guess when that happened? When did the FM really? Oh man, I, I, about 68. I don't know. I would say I, by the late 60s. I would say really. Be do I get guess. a guess? Yeah, go ahead, Patricia. I would say 1978. Very good. Well. 
Yeah, that makes sense. You should look at the rulings. I was going to say 75, but... Uh -huh. 75? That's, that's when I became aware of it. All of a sudden, we were getting uh, you know, a lot of competition from FM. But the problem was, prior to that, was receiving it in the cars. And the National Association of Broadcasting Engineering finally came up with an antenna and a system that you could get FM in a car before. If you went at a building between you and the transmitting tower, you'd just lose it completely. Once they overcame that technical problem, it, it just soared, you know, because of the quality. It was there. There was no static and thunderstorms and things and uh, the uh, ability to do stereo. It was just a natural to, to happen. It, it, but you got to be able to pick it up. That didn't happen until the 70s. Early, early 70s started the development, and then it started catching on. Yeah, it's great if it goes out in high quality, but it's not much good if it can't be picked up. <laughs> there you go. What was the Miami market like with it? Considered the top 25, any ideas known where it was in the 60s? You know, I've, I've forgotten the numbers, but uh -huh. I, maybe I can give you an idea of, of what it was like. Larry King was on locally. Right. On the NBC affiliate. Right. Um, the, the hijacking that we talked about several weeks ago was, was covered by a guy named, uh, oh gosh, now you just went out of my head. Who's the uh, ABC anchor on Nightline for so many years? Like Ted Koppel. Ed Koppel yeah. was filing stories at our radio station. He was the uh, reporter for the uh, South mm. South Florida. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we thought he was a nice guy. He had a little bit of an accent and a funny haircut, but we didn't think he was going to go to... <laughs> go to the top. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, he had kind of an Alfred E. Newman look about him. About him? Uh-huh. Uh, well, I hadn't thought about that comparison, but he was a really nice guy and down to earth and, and had a great sense of humor. You'd see him a lot of times at night, and it was the first time I had seen a, a news car with a uh, had a piece of like tent material or canvas with snaps on it that went over the ABC logo on the car. And I asked him what that was for, and he said, "Did you ever think about us driving into a riot with a car with ABC on the side of it?" I said, "No, I guess you wouldn't want to do that." Wow. That's one of the reasons that they would. I don't know why I remembered that, but I just thought it was odd to see those. Brad's on there where you would snap this thing on there like you would, uh, you know, your jacket or something, that kind of button snap. Uh-huh. And that's what, that was what was there. I'm getting off the subject. Well, now, Miami in the mid-60s, what was it like? Was it pretty much uh, a winter place for New Yorkers? I mean, what was the base, the audience makeup that you would shoot for? It was really no different from, from any other. Uh, I'm, I'm up, but my voice is not yet. Uh -huh. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, in that regard, you know, there was a lot of uh, tourism, of course, was the big big factor, and, but it had a local following, local, like any other. But the uh, when you say New York, are you talking about the visitors or are you talking about the station being heard in New York? Uh, I'm getting the visitors when it came down. I imagine people who would come down in winter. Uh, in Miami, would still been pretty much the makeup in the 60s, I would have thought, but, you know. It... Yeah, I, I don't know. That's like um, Daytona or any other area, and Patricia could probably speak to this as, as far as the what is local and what is transient uh -huh. tourism. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know how to break that down. Yeah. yeah. By the 1970s, uh, and I'm kind of going out on a limb, but I know by the 1980s that some of the markets here in Florida actually doubled in size 
during the winter months with the not so much with the winter visit res, um, with the winter visitors but the half year residents who would be here for five or six months during the winter time now, on the east coast before i-75 was finished the east coast had i-95 coming down from maine all the way to miami so that coast especially fort lauderdale and miami had the annual influx. You got everything over there, mm-hmm. everything, because there really was virtually no access for the East Coast here. I-75 begins up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and runs down the entire Gulf Coast side of Florida. But that wasn't opened until, I will say, the late 1980s, maybe the early 1990s. So you had the whole gang over there, uh-huh. and and it was huge, and it was a New York market. I say New York market. It was it was a Northeast market. You got uh, the Northeast part-time residents and visitors over there, so it was huge in the winter time. One of the favorite features that uh, we had on our station, as uh, told to us by people from the North that came down to stay, was we had a thing called the weather quickie, and we would read all the temperatures in New York and. All the northern states or towns that you uh, markets that you might think of, and they loved it when it was 32 up there, you know, and it was 58 down here. Right, and it's very important. Even our local newspaper, our area newspaper, during the winter months will publish. This is what it's doing in New York. This is what it's doing in Indiana. It will publish all of the weather reports. Thank God, yeah. my ear when I went down and visited Patricia a few years ago. Um, when I you know, my uncle was in Tampa, so we went down and saw Patricia for a little while. Uh-huh. I listened to the radio. It was, it had a feature for Canadians. They hit the news in Canada. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. You know, that was interesting to me. Here, here I'm down in Florida, and I have a segment just for Canadian visitors in Florida. Uh-huh. Yeah, very large number of Canadians visit us in the wintertime, and they tend to be west coast they come down from toronto um and a lot of ontario in general um and they tend to come down to the west coast of florida because i-75 is open and it's an easier trip for them to do that and then still on the east coast you tend to attract on the east coast a lot of people from the northeast so it's balanced out tremendously over the years since i-75 opened um, and, and so now we've got the two interstates, one on the East Coast and one on the West Coast. But still, you know, there's a tendency to uh, have the Northeast go to the Southeast. Uh, it's probably just traditional, really, with a lot of yes. a lot of people. Or, or they come to the races or they recognize the name Daytona. Or, or it's what Mom and Dad always talked about, so why not us? Uh-huh. Makes sense. We called it the, uh, we did those temperatures in the north, we called it the Nanner Nanner Report. <laughs> That's good. I like that. <laughs> we didn't, that was just in, in the house. We didn't say it on the air, but it was, we'd get calls from, what's it doing up there, you know, that sort of thing. Yes, uh, yes. Turn, get those temperatures on. Yeah, we don't have to shovel sunshine off the sidewalk. <laughs> That's right. That's right, but if you come down here thinking it's not cold occasionally. Oh, my. Did we have a winter this year? Plus, plus, when it is cold, it's a different kind of cold. It goes right through your clothes because it's wet, kind of, compared to 
yeah. go that north, farther north. I think it's easier to take farther north than it is here when it gets cold. But we'll we'll trade it off for the rest of the rest of the year, though, won't we? Uh huh. I've blamed myself that I am so spoiled and so accustomed to the warmer weather that I feel the cold weather more. But I have always said as well, it's just a biting cold that goes through everything and just gets to you underneath, no matter how many layers you put on. Really, really do. And, and the uh, temperatures in the daytime, like it is right now, is just about as unbearable in the other extreme. Oh, I'm fine in the toasties. Yeah, and I heard you say that earlier. You, you, you like the hot weather. Yeah, well, it's not that I like it. I don't mind it. The cold weather, I have a very hard time tolerating that. The, the, uh, I always felt that I could put enough clothes on to get warm, but I couldn't take enough off and be legal to get... Oh, see, and, <laughs> and, and I think that's just the opposite. I'm going to just knock your socks off with this one. I never use my air conditioning. Wow. I mean, it's just I never have. I, it, since I've been here, I just never have used air conditioning occasionally. You know, I mean, if it gets really brutal, I'll turn it on for a day or two. Or if um, it's been particularly humid, like during a rainy season for three or four days, I'll do it to get some of the humidity out. But that's it. Mm. Well, takes all kinds. <laughs> <laughs> it goes, mine goes in the other extreme, so. You're very Awfully dull if we were all alike, wouldn't it? No, it would be terrible. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm uh, probably taking you past your coffee time, the toast time. Well, I don't know. Patricia got a couple more messy breakfasts for us, so I think we're in good shape. Well, all right. <laughs> Sounds pretty chauvinistic, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the kitchen crew for tonight. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but you're outnumbered, Patricia. I know. I know. I can't fight. I don't have any... Uh, nobody's here. I am. I am the... Female, Kim Bragg and I are the two women who hold down that side of the fort. That's true. I have a feeling that your listener in New York, who I always love to hear talk, could could uh, join you and take us on in, in the heartbeat in a New York minute. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know who I'm talking about. I don't know her name, but she's a uh-huh. caller. Well, I, I uh, have taken enough time, and I will... Uh, have a, next next time I'll have a clip. Hey, good. Good, good. Good. If I can, if I can tie it into the kind, of, you know, the, the topic, I won't get too far off. That would be great. Uh, Listen, old time radio is the topic. So, um, actually, radio is the topic. So, no matter what you show up with, will be dandy. Jim, you know, so, can I tell one more short story? Oh, please. Sure. Do. I was leading up to it a minute ago, and I forgot to. I mentioned it was that was Sally's favorite story about a telephone caller. Right. Oh, yeah. So I, uh, she, luckily, or maybe not luckily, she kind of forgot about that. But when, we, when I was in, in Florida, we met on a blind date that was arranged by, uh, when I say I was in Florida, in the early days when I did not live here, and I, I had moved here after the Army. Uh, the uh, We were introduced by people from Sally's hometown and where my parents had moved while I was in the service. And they wanted us to meet each other, and so they kept insisting that we have this blind date. We both were working in Miami, and I was a DJ, and she was a flight attendant. And so uh, we had this uh, first date, and then several after that, and things started getting a little bit serious from uh, you know, a marriage standpoint. And so she wanted to make sure. We weren't engaged at this point, but this is the most high school 
kind of uh, immature thing that I ever heard of. The two grown women did, but they called. She, she had a girlfriend call me, and she listened in on the on the extension. You know where this is going. I wanted to see what my true feelings were. So she had this oh. on the air uh, while I was on the air, and, and uh, took the call while the song was on. And she said that uh, she was she goes to the University of uh, Florida and was uh, down visiting, and she listened to me on the air and. And she had this uh, event coming up. She had invitations, rare, I forgot what it was, a golf tournament or something, and wanted to know if I would take her to that this uh, event. And uh, I allowed it. I was uh, sorry, but I was kind of serious about the person I was going with. And uh, I, I'm sure you can understand, but I just uh, wouldn't be in a position to do that right now. But I'm flattered that you asked and so forth. So the call ended, and, you know, I, I came away smelling like a rose. But the, the, what Sally didn't remember was the call that I got in Chattanooga when I really saw the person in person. Oh. So from that point on, I had never t been serious about any kind of call that I got. So fall for the wrong reasons, I came away a hero. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that was kind of a, a not nice thing to do, you know? I know. It, was, it, it really could be uh, hurting the relationship in a totally different way. And I thought it was kind of immature. And they were laughing about it, too. That it was something you do in high school. Yeah, yeah. But, but it, it worked in my favor that time. Yes, it, it sure sounds like it. And it, and it sounds like um, it might not interfere at this point. What do you think? Well, I, I think uh, they said it wouldn't work, but the 45th anniversary is coming up. When is when is your anniversary? In February. All right, so we have to remember this. February what? Seventeenth. It's Red Barber's birthday. Wow. He, he called me February seventeenth when we were working together down there. So you did. So you did. You do every show just to be three days after Valentine's Day. Uh yes. Uh huh. And, uh, and my birthday's in January and. It's around Christmas, and we get all that clustered together in the wintertime. It has a advantage of having it all at once. You don't forget dates. Right. <laughs> Later right. on. <laughs> right. Right. You throw a dart and pick a middle, and you know you're safe. You know, there was a uh, famous singer you might remember known called uh, Smiling Jack Smith. He was a big singer in the 40s. He wound up having a TV show called You Asked For It. It was with a big hit. So, like, you know, where people did things, and people were, put, you know, sitting there saying, can you find somebody that could, you know, train mountain, you know, train lion tamers and things like this? Well, it was interesting. He and his wife, they were married for 71 years. He and his wife shared the same birthday, and they married on their, aunt, and they married on their birthday. So, oh. he was safe. <laughs> he was safe. He knew his anniversary and his wife's birthday, because he was just trying to be on his birthday. So all he had to remember was one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there is one rest of the story uh, that I forgot to tell. The, the lady that called me, the girl that called me. Right. Uh-huh. Married the president of the airline. She was absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> and if, if I had had TV phone in those days, I'd have been in a lot of trouble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, uh, the right thing. You've done good. Yeah, I, that little angel was with me because I could have messed that up really. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, uh... Was Sally still friends with, with her after all these years? Uh, yes, the, the uh, marriage didn't last. Theirs didn't. Um, the, uh, the kind of lost touch after that. Uh -huh. But they, they flew together for quite a while wow. prior to that, and then she didn't need to fly there for a while. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> she owned them. <laughs> yeah, she. they would use her in, in the ads for the airline. They, she would pose was the model for them, things of that nature. Ah. Wow. Had a, had a very unusual voice, very sweet. Very feminine sounding, it would be enough right there to get your attention. Hmm. But uh, anyway, I uh, dodged the bullet one more time. Wow. Well, folks, it's been fun. I'll uh, go get some coffee on and try to get my stuff going here. That's true. You can read the okay. paper. I'll make the eggs. You send the coffee. <laughs> Very good. All right. So, okay. Nolan, thanks for calling. Uh, it's always a pleasure. You guys take it easy. Thanks, we'll, no one. Pleasure. Bye-bye. 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 There he goes. Nolan Kenner. Yes. The person whose voice is heard during the week. And it says, and the man with a million friends, Bill Bragg. He does the introduction every week. It's a recording, obviously, but um, that's well, what everybody if, recognizes. If no one was doing that live every day, I, that's remarkable. I, I think that's just remarkable knowing you got on the mic and introduced Bill every day. But I think All day. I, I, People I, like I, me believe that kind <laughs> of thing. <laughs> I think Patricia's uh, deductive reasoning was very smart. I knew that one. Oh, good. I knew that. Good. And Otherwise, I would have said, are you serious? <laughs> you know, um, a sidebar, when we had Wayne on a few hours ago. Uh-huh. Remember he was talking about uh, The Saints being one of his favorite TV shows. It was Joy Sanders. Yes. I, well, I don't know if most people know that his brother was Tom Conway, who was Sherlock Holmes on radio. He was the one that took over for Basil Rathbone. I did not know that. Yeah, so I just... Crossed my mind when you guys were talking, but I guess decided to get came back up while we were here today. I did not know that. Well, hey, that's good. Oh, I'm feeling better and better that I got you on Blair Hospital. <laughs> 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 this, this effusive dictionary, encyclopedia, whatever. My goodness, you're the entire Britannica here. Oh. Yes, you are. Oh, I don't know why all my friends think that. I guess... Oh, because you keep doing it. Well, I just got everybody fooled, that's all. <laughs> right. Buffaloed is the word. <laughs> I don't think so. Buffalo, that's a Patricia. I've never heard that term until... Really? Patricia. Yeah. I don't even know where it came from, but it is a legitimate expression wow. when people... Um, like people brag uh -huh. and make others believe that they're all puffy like that. Uh -huh. That's when you use the term, I've got him buffaloed. Wow. He buffaloed me. Wow. And I don't, I don't know. I think maybe it, it has to do with the buffalo stampeding. He just ran right over me, and I didn't even know it. Huh. I'll have to look that one up. There's my next homework assignment. Oh, good. Slogans and things. Slogans and funny things. That's what you put Slogans. Oh, this is good. Slogans? Not, not slogans. Actually, they're, they're sayings. Yes. They're uh, people-type sayings, local and yeah. funny. and I, uh, They would be called metaphors. Those would be metaphors. Okay. Buffaloed. Buffaloed. Okay. 
Buffaloed. Okay, I will look up buffaloed and find out what it is. I have to do the nurse on Dr. Kildare. Yeah. I'm writing this down. Oh. Nurse Kildare. What else do I have to do? I see. What are you cooking for breakfast? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> No, 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 no. We josh about that. We do have to tell you one thing, though. Just one thing. Let me see. I can put this one away. We got to figure out what Patricia would need to do prepare for next Saturday. To prepare for next Saturday. Yeah, we yeah. have to. Because that's, um, next Saturday is the weekend, right? Uh-huh. So... August 7th. You and I got to figure out what we want to do. Yeah, I know we've got some shows that must fit in there somewhere. Somewhere. So, okay, traditional Christmas dinners. I really have to tell you this. Now, this is this is the one uh, that describes the American dinners, the, the dinners in the United States as the kids getting popcorn balls because yes. in the kitchen. Uh-huh. So you have to kind of take it with that amount of salt. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I believe it. I believe. <laughs> such a believer. When I'm the one who sits here and says I'm so gullible, you really, if if somebody told you something, even if you know it's not true, you would accept it. I'm not sure you would believe it, but you accept it. I do. I know. I wish you'd fight with me more often. Well, you know, if we fought, it would be, it'd be an interesting day. Yes. Yes. I, I have to tell you what this, whoever wrote this stuff and said that our kids get popcorn balls, listed out a whole bunch of different countries, everyone from Lithuania to Hong Kong and Mexico, but they also have Iceland. All right? Mm -hmm. Hanging in there? I'm ready. It says, the Christmas dinner is eaten on Christmas Eve at 6 p.m. I guess whether the turkey is done or not. You know, in my family, they'd be so hungry it would never make it to 6 p.m. I know, but I mean, at 6 p.m., th- this person was so specific. Yeah. Actually put it in military terms. 1,800 hours yeah. you sit down and you're eating. That's pretty specific. Whether, Yeah. Okay, so the next sentence is the main dish varies much between families. Some common dishes are partridge, smoked lamb, duck and turkey, and reindeer. Reindeers! They eat reindeer oh. in Iceland. Oh. And it's for Christmas dinner, Melvin. <laughs> That's what happened to Rudolph. They eat Rudolph. Rudolph. I, I saw that and I thought, this cannot be true. No, no. So now I have to go look up and, and find out whether or not that truly is an item on the Christmas dinner list, like our popcorn. Now, is partridge a bird? Yes, it is. A partridge in a pear tree. Is it big bird? Is it big bird? It is not a particularly big bird. Oh, okay. I would say... So, um, I, I can't think of... I should not imagine big bird or Sesame Street being eaten Yeah, smaller for than a chicken. Okay. Smaller than a chicken. Okay. Probably a little bit bigger than a quail. Yeah, that would be a very big meal. And w- no, it wouldn't be a very big one. No, no. no. Um, maybe, maybe in places like Iceland, they have different sizes. I mean, birds and species come in all different sizes. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's see over here. Portugal, South Africa. Oh, South Africa, because that's in the hot season. Yep. South Africa, traditional turkey dinner with all the trimmings. However, in 
Australia, which I think is a really neat thing. Christmas dinner is in midsummer, of course, and they serve a Christmas lunch. And it's often uh, with barbecued prawns, steak and chicken, with ice cream for dessert. That would be a pretty good meal. And maybe on the beach. That wouldn't be a, that would be a pretty good meal. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, for 4th of July here yeah. would be comparable. We would do a barbecue. That's but, true. But uh, a Christmas barbecue. Isn't that cool? That's good. My aunt, yeah. and uncle, my aunt and uncle go to Australia this fall for two months. And I figured the reason why they're going two months is just a, such a long flight from California to go all the way down there. They're going to do everything down there at one time. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a big trip. Uh, what that, that people can do. What to do, what to do, Walden. It is four minutes from six o'clock on this end. I think you one think? show for this week would be okay. Okay, so you think, so you're safe that we can play the parties over and you and I can, and can wish everybody a Merry Christmas? For the last time, yes. And it, it's, I guess it's all the way over to Ron. He's, He's six hours from you? Uh-huh. Five hours. Probably six. Six hours. He's okay. Probably he's probably already gone to bed. He's got four minutes left to his Christmas. Yeah. And then and then we have to wait for December, except Walden starts in November. I so start it November. Won't be very long. I start before Thanksgiving. You'll start before Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll work on it. I had a wonderful time tonight. Oh, it's been fun, Patricia. It has been fun. We had... Callers, um, Charles was a new caller. I'm so delighted. And um, CD and out. Very, very nice. Let's see here. We'll find our theme song. That way, I can say goodnight to everybody. Patricia can too. But we'll be back with you next Saturday. I don't know what Patricia got planned. But <laughs> this Patricia. No. And we. Oh, she does. She's got some to work on and but she got stuff and we'll all enjoy her stuff and everybody's using the word stuff now so this is good yeah this is good however no one has ever called in to say stuff is patricia's favorite word i know they they have not said that with the magic word they have not so you want to say good night to everybody patricia i will say good night to everybody good night everybody good night walden good have night. a wonderful sunday you too, and my we'll dear. do this again sometime I would say so, probably next Saturday. I think so. We love you all, everybody, so here we go. Just make your mind up The piper must be paid The party's over The candles flicker and you danced and dreamed through the night it seemed to be right just be The party's over.
Saturday evening, everybody. August the 14th, year of 2010. I'm Wong Hughes. And Patricia and I will be looking back 65 years ago today uh, when VJ Day happened. And when the Japanese surrendered and the Second World War came to an end. Let's share a prayer and then we're going to kick off with a little um, 
interesting piece of band remote with news segment that happened 65 years ago today at 1 in the morning. Dear Lord, thank you for the station. Bless all the listeners. Thank you for all the veterans who served in the country. Thank you for the uh, people who might have lost family members in during the, any of the conflicts, especially World War II or anything in the past or the future. We thank for our blessings of the freedoms of this country, and we ask we do you well. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, before we get a hold of Patricia, I thought it would be fun to kick off tonight's broadcast with, with a remote that we heard 65 years ago this morning. This would be around 1 o'clock on Mutual, the Cad Callaway broadcast. So, here we go back with some history. From the Mutual Newsroom in New York, Frank Waldecker speaking. Tokyo Radio said tonight the Japanese government is deliberating on its reply to allied surrender terms. And also from Tokyo, giving an indication that the Japanese food situation is becoming increasingly grave, the Tokyo Radio said in a broadcast that the Japanese people will begin to use tea as a foodstuff rather than as the habitual drink. The broadcast, beamed in Japanese to occupied Asia, declared that a Dr. Takemi had proved that through research, tea, when used as a food, was more nourishing and contains a great deal of vitamin C. For this reason, the broadcast said, as long as one takes tea, he can maintain sufficient nutrition, even though no vegetable is available. It added that the Japanese, so long as there is tea, will absolutely not suffer from the lack of vitamins. And while Tokyo is still hesitating in stalling, third, rather three fleets of super fortresses are prodding Japan toward a surrender decision. For the news, listen to your mutual station. Mutual brings you His Highness of Heidi Ho, Cab Calloway. <laughs> brings you from the new Zanzibar, Broadway and 49th Street in the heart of New York City, His Highness of Heidi Ho, Cab Calloway, and all the lads.
that you wrote They're just remaining souvenirs Books that you bought me Love songs you taught me They're just remaining souvenirs I sit alone with those memories of the past Wondering why love, sweet as ours, didn't last Programs from good boys bring back the old days there's just remaining Thank <laughs> you. 
now moving right along. Now we're going to call on our base man, Milton Hilton, and he's going to bring us for base only with Cab and all the boys. So for base only it is, Milt. Milton and the boys are collecting their little old bass register there. Let's remind you, you're listening to Cab Calloway and his orchestra from the new Zanzibar here on Broadway at 49th Street in the heart of New York City. His Highness of Idaho, Cab Calloway and all the lads. I can't give you anything but love. Let's go. <laughs> But love, baby, that's 
studied a good old trumpet for quite a while, anything more than six months, it means you're studying trumpetology. So here we go now, more than six months, trumpetology. Care? From the Mutual Newsroom in New York, Tokyo Radio says acceptance of Potsdam Proclamation coming soon. I repeat, Tokyo Radio says acceptance of Potsdam Proclamation coming soon. One moment, please. I repeat this bulletin, Tokyo Radio says, acceptance of Potsdam Proclamation coming soon. The bulletin from San Francisco. Tokyo Radio said today that an imperial message accepting the Potsdam Proclamation would be forthcoming soon. Repeating that bulletin from San Francisco, Tokyo Radio said today that an imperial message accepting the Potsdam Proclamation would be forthcoming soon. For the news, listen to your mutual station.
from the Mutual Newsroom in New York, San Francisco, the International News Service, FCC quotes, Domai saying Japan accepts allied terms. Repeating this bulletin, dated San Francisco, the Federal Communication Commission quotes Domai saying Japan accepts allied terms. This is not official. I repeat, this is not official. This is from the Tokyo Radio. Just one moment, please. We're standing by in the mutual newsroom. Just one moment, please. From the OWI, the Japanese government has accepted the Allied Surrender Formula embodied in the note dispatched to Tokyo by the United States. The Tokyo Domai Agency said today in a wireless dispatch recorded by the Federal Communications Commission. We have another bulletin here. Japan surrenders. Japan surrenders. Now repeating the entire bulletin, the Japanese government has accepted the Allied Surrender Formula embodied in the note dispatched to Tokyo by the United States. The Tokyo Domai Agency said today in a wireless dispatch recorded by the Federal Communications Commission. This is not official. We're awaiting confirmation from Washington. This is not official. For the news, listen to your mutual station. Swing bands make him frown. He doesn't get his kicks from boogie woogie licks. He's dead but won't lay down. He wears a blue serge suit with the belt in the back. No flair so rare with the belt in the back. He thinks a cat is a household pet, and his favorite dance is the minuet. Must come from a curio set. I mean a blue third suit with the belt in the back. This is the Mutual Newsroom in New York. We're still standing by at our newsprinters in the Mutual Newsroom, waiting for some further word on it. I'd like to repeat for you at this time the United Press Bulletin, which came in at 1.56 a.m. Eastern Wartime, Washington, Tuesday, August 14th, the, via the United Press. The Japanese Dome News Agency said today that the Japanese government has accepted the Allied Surrender Formula embodied in the note dispatched to Tokyo by the United States. The broadcast was recorded by the Federal Communications Commission. That bulletin was on the United Press. Now we're moving over to the Associated Press printer, which says, quote, a broadcast by the Japanese Dome Agency said the reply to the Allies' unconditional surrender demand, quote, probably will be available as soon as legal procedures are completed, unquote. This broadcast said the Japanese cabinet had been in continuous session until late Monday night. And here is the flash, which came in at 1.55 on the Associated Press, 
Uh, New York. Oh, I'm sorry, it's over the International News Service printer. It reads, New York, August 14th. The Japanese government has accepted the Allied Surrender Formula the Dome Agency reported today. There is more on that, which reads, Dome, in a wireless dispatch recorded by the FCC, said that Tokyo had agreed to the terms embodied in the note dispatched to Tokyo by the United States State Department. Now, returning to the United Press machine, we pick up where it reads, The fateful announcement came at 2.49 p.m. Tuesday, Tokyo time, 90 hours, 19 minutes, after Tokyo Radio first broadcast Japan's surrender offer. This is the Mutual Newsroom in New York. We have still not had any official word from any allied capital that the Japanese have surrendered. Here is a bulletin which says Washington, by International News Service, the Swiss legation in Washington said it had not, I repeat, said it had not received Japan's acceptance of the allied surrender terms up to 2 a.m. Eastern wartime. Well, that's just a minute before 2 a.m. Eastern wartime at the present moment. I'll repeat that. The Swiss legation in Washington said it had not received Japan's acceptance of the Allied surrender terms up to 2 a.m. Eastern wartime. Now, returning to a United Press printer in the Mutual Newsroom in New York, we'd like to repeat that the broadcast was recorded by the United Press and by the Federal Communications Commission from the Tokyo radio. We're going to pause briefly for station identification. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Radio stations have birthdays like everybody else. And we're going to say hello, Patricia. How are you? Hello, Walden. I am fine. Happy Saturday, everybody. It is a happy Saturday. Anytime when Patricia and I can get together with the family, it's always a good time. Indeed, and I always say it's always a good day when I wake up. How can you go wrong when you when you wake up? You've got a whole brand new day to play with. That is true. So how are you doing? Did you have a good week? I had an interesting, fun, fulfilling, hectic Interesting week. One of those. One of those, you know. You. I, yeah, I, you know. Um, with most people who know me pretty well, my weeks are somewhat interesting. You know, I always got something going on. So that that was a good week. My, it was my folks' anniversary this week. They've been married 47 years. Oh, happy anniversary to them from yeah, us. Yes, and so... Um, I, you know, my, my dad, uh, we said, Dad, what are you going to get? And I said, well, I should probably get a cake. Okay. <laughs> and so we got disgusted. You know, Dad, this is 47 years. You know, you maybe ought to put 50 minus 3. <laughs> Something special. Yeah, so that's what Dad did. 50 minus 3 equals 47. And counting. And counting. So hopefully they make it another three more years. So we'll have 50 years together. So that's, oh. you know, that's good. So we had the... Had an anniversary for this weekend, and then uh, Mom and I went to a concert uh, Thursday night. Leanne Lyam, who is a country singer, who uh, looked up on her Wikipedia, only 27, who loves and sings the country classics. So it's fun to see somebody that young has so much respect 
for the roots of country. So it was an interesting concert. First time I've ever seen her perform. I've been aware of the name and everything. So that are some of the highlights and then all my little projects I've been working on. So what about Patricia? It's been a good week for her. Do I have to tell you what I filled my day with? It's up to you. I never say you don't have to. Well, today was really exciting. I got three loads of laundry done. Good! <laughs> it was one of those days where I had to catch up with the domestic side of well, me. Well, at least you didn't have to wash any socks, because Patricia doesn't wear shoes, so that's pretty good. She doesn't wear shoes. She does sometimes when she goes out. Oh, that's um, right. So, um... I think that's the reason why Patricia works at home, everybody. That way she doesn't have to wear shoes. It is one of the major benefits of not having to go to an office. This is true. You do not have to put shoes on. That's good. That's and, good. And you know, that, it saves money because you can't wear shoes out unless you wear them out, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's um, it's a cost-cutting thing. I have a comment about the tape that you just played, the audio. Sure, I was just thinking, the first announcer I think we heard was Frank Wahlbecker, I think it was, but go ahead, what, what, what can you tell me? What's your observation? My observation dropped my jaw. We've got, they're, they're expecting news imminently mm -hmm. that Japan has agreed to the surrender terms and that it will be unconditional. And the announcer is giving news clips about the Japanese people drinking tea and how good tea is for you, and they will not lack vitamin C. We have just blown up to smithereens, two of their major cities. Burned out. I mean, it, it's just beyond description, and we are talking about vitamin C in their tea. And and interesting, that was the Japanese press that sent that wire out. That, that's just incredible yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. So that's what caught me. Uh, it, it just made me go, what? What? Yep. I, and, you know, maybe before the night is over, late, late, late later, when we have another round of people joining us, you could play just the first couple of minutes of that audio that sure. you played and um, listen to it again. We it just do, blew me away. We, we can do that. I, I want to play another quick clip here for Patricia. Um, you know, most people know... If you haven't figured it out, I am somewhat of a historic, a historic buff, if anybody don't know, which is pretty... Probably the best, one of the best well-known unkept secrets at the station. <laughs> um, First-time listeners might have missed it, but yeah. I think that's about it. Yeah, Walden is a history buff, American yeah. history in particular. That's true. And so I've been on a uh, on a research hunt throughout the summer, looking for stuff for you know World War Two, especially this period, uh, August 10th through the 14th, and I basically were able to come up with stuff for the. August 10th through the 19th, and we'll be featuring it, which featured some last weekend, tomorrow we'll feature a lot more, and then got so much stuff, we got to cover it for next weekend. And we came across, thanks to Jim, on Sunday night, this August the 12th, which is two days before we have VJ Day, on, there was a quiz show called Double Nothing, I'll play the full thing tomorrow. Uh... They interrupted, they thought the war was over, so I thought... Here, Patricia, let's play this. You, you might find this interesting. Here we go, everybody. Just a few minutes of U.S. history. The official news came to the U.S. through which neutral country? To the U.S., remember. Did it come through Sweden? 
Here's a bulletin from the WOR newsroom. A flash. Washington, Japan accepts surrender terms of the Allies. We repeat, a flash from Washington, Japan accepts the surrender terms of the Allies. And once again, another repeat, Japan accepts the surrender term of the Allies. The good news everyone has been waiting for announced by President... This is the Mutual Newsroom in New York, Washington. Japan accepts surrender terms of the Allies. At 9.34 and 40 seconds, Japan accepts surrender terms of the Allies. Keep tuned to this station for further news. Ladies and gentlemen, the news we've all been waiting for, as we stayed throughout the past few days, kept tuned to our radios, watched for all possible news sources, that news has just come to us from Washington. At this time, on Sunday evening, August 12, 1945, the war which started when Japan attacked at Pearl Harbor in 1941, December 8, has ended now with this flash from Washington, Japan accepts surrender terms of the Allies. So for all of you who are so interested, for all of us from coast to coast, it's over now. This is the United Press flight that has come to us. I can't repeat that too often for you. There are just seven important words from Washington. Japan accepts surrender terms of the Allies. We'll have many more important items concerning that little seven-word sentence to give to you. But we knew that you wanted it immediately, and we've just been told now to temporarily hold up that flash to disregard it. So, ladies and gentlemen, those of you who may have heard that flash as we brought it to you within seconds of the time that it came upon our United Press tickers, please hold up that flash and stick with us for just a few seconds till we find out further details on just what has been given to us, those seven words, and then another flash that came to us saying, hold up that flash. So we ask you to keep tuned to this station so we'll be able to tell you whether or not that is factual information. The flash given to us has just been rescinded with a remark saying, hold up on that flash. Temporarily, we resume the program in progress, but keep tuned to this station for further details every second. We resume the program in progress. And there we go, Patricia. Astounding. Yeah. Who jumped, who jumped the gun on that one? That's what, I, that's what I wonder. It came down to the United Press Wire. So they're reading the bulletin right on that. Yeah. Well, you know, when... <laughs> With the news system, it was the best they had at the time. Yeah. But recognizing how many stations, how many people, how many fingers, and how many ears, something had to go through before it went on the air. Basically, Nothing, something like that didn't happen more often. Yeah, well, and I think they thought maybe it was an exercise just to see if it, uh, we're going to make it through the system. But I'm surprised they would even take a gamble with that kind of test. I, yeah, that doesn't sound... It just doesn't sound likely. It, it's really a, a staggering error. I mean, 48 hours, we're two days ahead here. Yeah. And to have that kind of an error, oh, you know, it, it just breaks your heart for the people in the streets who mm -hmm. were just waiting. Waiting. Because their kids weren't home and they might be coming home. That's true. Um, what a devastating thing. Even though it came 48 hours later, what a devastating thing that must have been for families. I know. Um... Listening. My my dad's mom, as you were just speaking, once the national war hit, uh, announcement hit, which was 7 o'clock Eastern time, everybody, on a Tuesday night, 
and my folks were based, my grandmother had two older boys in the service. And once she heard the news, she got away from the dinner table and cried, because she knew her boys were coming home. Mm. I you know, I, and I imagine that's probably very typical of a lot of families who had their sons yes. in the service. Yes. You know. <clears throat> it was just an incredible time in our history. And even now, how many years later, we're 65 years after the fact in terms of the surrender, and it's still hard to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I tell you, just think of this, folks. My my uncle, who I just lost to about a year or so ago, uh, he went into the service at age 17, saw seven major engagements in the Pacific, and... Um, Came home, went to college, got a college degree before he went, had to go get a high school diploma before he became a teacher. But he got one leave in three years. And in that day, in that day, she didn't wire. He took a train from Washington, went to Nebraska, spent one day with the family, just showed up. Nobody knew. And the next day, he had to go back and take the train to go back to get on back of a ship. Wow. You know. Uh, just think of the communication system, think of the transportation, um... Or the non-communication and I mean. non-transportation as they were dealing yeah, with. Yeah, compared to what people would do today. Wow. Just amazing. Yeah. Well, hello Saturday, hello Walden. Hello Patricia. Do we have stuff for everybody oh, tonight? Oh boy, do we have stuff for tonight. Stuff is my first word. Well, actually it's my second word. I have new stuff tonight. <laughs> at the top of my notes here. Hi, everybody. We really do have new stuff tonight. <laughs> I have, for the history buffs, um, I do have a, a fair number of World War II audios and news reports and D-Day and all sorts of goodies that I have talked about at different times. But I also have a very large file now of Winston Churchill speeches. So for the history folks in our fan club, and if you're not in our fan club, please call and you'll be in there. Um, I also have Tales of the Texas Rangers. Uh, that's new. And new is Frontier Fighters. I have not a clue what that is about, but it sounds like an interesting show. Paul Harvey. I've got a file of Paul Harvey, and I will be getting Roy Rogers this week. So I've got some new goodies. I've got a lot of goodies for you to choose from. All I need is a phone call and a correct answer. And if you're a first-time caller, this is the first time you've called Wallen and me, you automatically get a CD. And if I have it, you've got it. And if I don't have it, I'll do my best to get it. 714-545-2071 is our number. Please give us a call. 714-545-2071. You want to throw out a teaser for everybody? A, a trivia, some goodies? Oh, I've got one of those. Are you attempting to avoid the obvious? <laughs> <laughs> the obvious is we have a Stump Walden question tonight, and I think you're doomed tonight. Well, I just thought we might have forgotten all about that. And I was oh, we didn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I wouldn't forget that. I had a win last week. <laughs> She's on a streak. She's on a streak, everybody. She's one for one, trying to get two for two on Walden. Hello there, caller. You have saved me by the bell. There we go. We're waiting to see the caller computer come up. Hello there. Hi. Hi. Who's this? 
Candy. Hi, Candy. How are you? Good. And where are you calling from? Um, Utah. Utah? My goodness, I don't think we've ever had That's anybody call from Utah, Candy. How are you? I'm okay. <laughs> Good. How did you find us? Um, we're on the computer, actually. Uh. Did you do a search, or were we just there? Well, it just kind of came up under all these radio stations. On iTunes. You're, you're listening on iTunes? Um, is this iTunes? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. My husband did something to the computer, and it came up. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> iTunes. That's what it is. And it came up. Do you know, we have been on iTunes for not much more than a week. Oh. Yeah, This is, you're one of the first people. You are the first person who called us as a result of hearing us on iTunes. Well, I just heard you guys saying to call this number, and I don't even know what I'm calling for. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Funny. You have reached an old-time radio station. We play old-time radio shows during the week. Yeah, I saw that. That's really neat. I like that. <laughs> and so if you, if you answer one of Patricia's really easy trivia questions, you get to win. Well, you already won one CD. Oh. And you get to win a second CD. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm not finished talking with Candy yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Patricia. Take it's it over. It's really fun. Um, it's an old-time radio show, but Walden and I do this on Saturday nights, and we just love to have people call in and talk with us, and it's extra wonderful when a brand-new person calls in. You qualify for that. Okay. And we, yeah, <laughs> this is really cool. Um any person who is calling us for the first time automatically gets a CD of your favorite shows. Oh, how neat. <laughs> uh, so if I, I will burn a CD if you tell me which shows you like. And if you don't, I'll pick one anyway. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? Since I just, well, I remember I used to listen to this old um, radio station up near Salt Lake, and they used to play, you know, the the little radio shows from the 30s and 40s, but I, I don't know the name of any particular shows. Well, we've got Ma Perkins and um, One Man's Family. Um, who else do we have? Well, you, you we have Mary well, Taylor. I'm, yeah, I would just want to, you like comedy, mystery, drama, maybe that's Definitely mystery. You're a mystery Oh, person. okay. We've got then, a gold mine in mystery yeah, for Patricia, you. Yeah, Patricia loves detectives, so you're, you're, she got your stuff. Oh, good. Whatever yeah. you think is good. <laughs> I, I think both of them are good. I, I separate mysteries from detectives. Mysteries are like Ellery Queen, who really solves a mystery, or um, Agatha Christie. Oh, yeah, those are both really good ones. Oh, they're both good ones. Okay. And then we've got detectives like Philip Marlowe and Sam Spade and all of those good ones. Oh, yeah. I, I, well, I know Agatha Christie. I, I like Al Agatha Christie a lot. <laughs> oh, boy. You and I are going to get along just great. <laughs> she is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, mm -hmm. Go ahead. Are you there? Oh, yeah. I'm here. Okay. Um, well, I'll tell you how I can get the CDs to you um, when we finish talking in just a minute. But also... Um, if, if you can answer a trivia question for me, then I can send two CDs with shows on them. Oh, I'll try. <laughs> okay. Um, so you like, you like mysteries. You like Agatha Christie. Okay. Right. Who is the little Belgian detective in Agatha Christie? Um, it's not that Hercule Poirot. 
Yes, it is. Right. And <laughs> you've got yourself two CDs. This is really great. Okay, so I can send you Agatha Christie, and I can also send you other mysteries, detectives, comedy, drama, news reports. Oh, maybe like news reports from World War II, because my dad was in World War II, so that would be neat. <laughs> news reports from World War II. You've got it. Okay. Candy, this is really great. I'm so glad that you found us. Oh, yeah, that's me. I was looking around for one, and there was a couple of them on there that, you know, said they had the old shows and stuff, but, but I picked yours. <laughs> well, we're not old, but <laughs> Walden and I aren't old, but we do this on Saturday night, so I'm just so happy that you were listening at the right time so that we got to talk with you. What city are you in? Because Patricia has a little map. Everybody, anytime somebody calls, we like to put a little <laughs> pencil mark. Okay, we're way down in southern Utah near the Nevada border. It's called St. George. Okay. Um, Walden isn't kidding. I made a map. I printed out a map from the Internet, and every time somebody calls, I get to put a dot on my map, and it's starting to look like it has the measles. Oh, <laughs> well, good. <laughs> really good, and now I can put another dot on there, and I can put one in Utah. I don't think I have a dot in Utah, so this is this is extra. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, um, let me think. Now, you said your dad was in World War II? Yes. Is there anything other than or in addition to World War II news broadcasts and information that you might like from that era? Well, um, I don't know. The news broadcasts are pretty neat. Actually, one time I was listening, for, for a very short time I would listen before we moved, but they had a broadcast of It's a Wonderful Life. I don't know if you guys have, have a broadcast of that. I do so. 